Grace and peace be with you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a pretty well-known passage. This is one that's very familiar to us, this Doubting Thomas passage. It's, it, it's so familiar that the term Doubting Thomas has, has really become uh, a, a part of speech uh, in, in the Western world, at least those speaking English uh, use that term. It, it, it's, so, uh, it's so prolific that the term is actually found in, in many dictionaries. Uh, one who uh, must have something proven uh, and will not accept it otherwise is known as a Doubting Thomas. And so we've grown up with the focus on this. And the truth is, we kind of like this, don't we? Because here's old Tom, and he shows a human weakness, and we kind of like that human weakness thing because we can identify with that. And here's a moment of weakness that he, he, he denies the resurrection of the Lord. His friends have all seen Jesus in the flesh. They tell him, and he refuses to believe. I will never believe, he says, unless I put my finger in the holes in his hand, my hand in his side. I will never believe. And then as true of most of the apostles, all the apostles, all of us, he's really a rather fickle believer because here I will go from I will never believe to my Lord, my God. That creed, that testimony of how he truly feels about Jesus and it wasn't something that he just decided to do. It was the revelation of Christ, you see, that came to him. I guess what I'm saying is when I read this passage and really look at this passage in total, in light of the totality of John's gospel, I don't think this passage is about Thomas at all. Not one bit. I think it's about you and me. Verse 29 Jesus says to him, have you believed because you've seen me? We like to think that that's a reprimand. Old Tom got his comeuppance here. The Lord kind of stuck it to him there. I don't think that's the case. There's really no evidence in the text that Jesus says this in a maligning way. It's kind of like, you know, today people do this, and I'm, this sounds very techy, at least to me. I have no idea what it is, but they have this, this, this techy stuff, this you text on your phones, is that it? And then you have like a, like a, whatever a Facebook is. I, I, I thought that was a picture when, you know, Dick and Jane, I don't know. But anyway, people communicate, but the written word, there's a distance there. You just can't see or hear what people are saying. And when we read this, you have believed because you've seen me, it really is nothing more than an honest statement that Jesus has made. But the next one is the one that I think encapsules, encaptures the entirety of the passage. Blessed are those who've not seen and yet have believed. That's us. That's the message taken to the church, to the world, that those who've not seen Christ in the flesh but do learn of him, hear of him, have him revealed, you see, come to believe. And, and, and the, the part of that that's significant is that Jesus revealing himself in certain ways. In, in the case of the apostles, he walks into this locked room. Well, that's pretty revealing. But as they share the word even with one of their own, there's a question there. And, and so it, it is with you and me. We sometimes share the love and the word and the, the witness to Christ, but 
Not everybody always embraces that. But blessed are those who've not seen and yet have believed. It's not the reward that's coming. You see, this is another beatitude. This is John's beatitude. We have all of those others listed in, 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 in Matthew. You know, the, the pure of heart, the peacemakers, thirsting for righteousness. And remember, because I, I think I even preached on this a few months ago. I think it was one of my Sundays here. If not, I preached about it someplace. Anyway, the point being, the blessing isn't what comes after that's the result. The blessing is in the doing. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are blessed in making peace. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In the midst of that hunger and thirst, they are, they are blessed. And here, blessed are those who've not seen but yet have believed. We are blessed in the midst of our faith. Not to gain something. Oh, we know we have eternal life. But you see, that's a given. And we have to be careful not to make these blessings into works, but into mere responses that come naturally from the gift of God, which saves us. That's the key. And so when Jesus enters here, he's preparing those who've gathered with that, because he enters and he says, peace be with you. 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 It's not just a greeting. We take it for granted. We used to walk around the seminary saying, peace be with you in Greek. I mean, how pretentious is that as you meet people coming and going in the halls, for heaven's sakes? No. This is Christ coming in and giving his peace to those who are gathered there. Because think about this. They've seen their Christ crucified. They've seen their friend Jesus buried. They've abandoned him in his hour of need. And now there he is. That has to be a little scary. I don't know about you. I'd be scared to death. I'd be looking for the bathroom, quite honestly. I would. I'm just telling you. Peace be with you. He's saying, it's okay. I'm here. I want you to receive my peace. Now here's where John's gospel comes together because when we look at John's gospel, that's a major theme in John's gospel. Remember in the the 14th chapter, Jesus says, I give you my peace, not the peace that the world gives, but mine. He repeats that in in the 16th chapter. He repeats it actually about, I don't know, three or four times in John's gospel. He repeats it in the letter by 1 John, the letter of 2 John. Those, by the way, are the little ones that stick together. You probably never read them because in the back of Bibles, those pages stick together. They just get stuck there, but that's where they are. But it's a theme of Johannine gospel that this peace comes and this peace brings something that we don't understand, but it's something that will strengthen them, not only here in their fear, not only here in their fickleness, as one who has proclaimed, what, uh, in chapter, what, 10, when, when remember when, when Thomas was there with the disciples and, and Jesus was called to go because Lazarus was ill? And he says, ah, we're going to hold off. Then he just says, ah, we're going to go visit him. And they say, wait a minute. You can't go do that. You go visit. They just stoned you in that city. You got to be nuts. Now we're going back. And it was Thomas who said, 
we're going with him. And we will die with him if necessary. That's faith. That's loyalty. And yet here, ah, I can't believe it if I don't see it. Jesus says, you've got much more coming, Tom, all of you. Because you see, going back to, to verse 21, peace be with you. You're going to need this, guys, because as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. You're going to need this peace from God, this strength, this assurance. Because it's going to be scary out there. Because what you have to do is something the world has never seen before. First of all, you're going to have to love unconditionally. Remember in the 15th chapter, Jesus said, you're to love one another as I have loved you. He repeats that in the 16th chapter. In the 20th chapter, right here in the next verses, he breathes on them the power of the Holy Spirit. That breathed on them. That's the symbol of new life showing that this is God himself who gives life. This is a thing out of the Genesis story. And in this life that he's given them, here's what you have to do with this life. These are called the keys of the kingdom. Now we like keys. Keys are, are important in our society. Keys kind of uh, uh, designate authority, right? If you have the keys, you can unlock and lock something. You can let people in, you can let people out. Most important day in any teenager's life, the day she or he gets a car key. That's it. Here we have the keys to the kingdom. Receive the Holy Spirit. It's given, not earned, not discovered, not taken, but it is given. And with this, if you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. And so often we look at this like we do our earthly keys. Huh, I can forgive somebody, but if I don't, they don't get in the big place. Pete, keep them right out of those gates. It's not that at all. What he's saying is if you don't forgive, who else can? As children of, of God, as recipients of the grace of the Messiah, if we are not able to forgive, where else will people find it? No. You have the power to forgive because if you withhold it, it is withheld. Nobody else can give it to them. You have the power of Christ breathed on you. That's the blessing of those who've not seen but yet have believed. That's the glory. That's the beauty in all of this, you see. And it's so hard. I've mowed my grass three times already this year. Okay, everybody's working outside yesterday, beautiful, probably go home today. No, no, we're not working outside. This is Sabbath. This is fun. Yeah, you remind me of that when you're tired and sweaty. What you did was fun, okay? Yeah, but, but we, uh, three times. My neighbor, I'm not kidding you, my neighbor's grass is that tall, bringing down the property value in the whole neighborhood. I'm out there sweating and panting. His grass is that tall. Now, the hard thing is, truly, to forgive that. It seems like a small thing, but so often isn't that 
the thing that sets us off the most against someone, some little piddly thing. No, as child of God, the response must be, I wonder why. Is his lawnmower broken? Is his back hurt? Are his legs unable to walk? And then this is really the, the difficult. This is, oh, wow. Get off your lazy hind end, Saunders, and go mow the man's lawn. It takes the Holy Spirit, you see, to look at Swan and say, you know, you didn't think of that initially, Will. You were really upset that that grass hadn't been cut. But yet somehow it's only the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that says, no, that's not the attitude. If we don't forgive, who can? And that is, that is the thing that, that, that he also brings up in, in John, that in the, the midst of this and in the, in the great priestly prayer of chapter 17, Jesus talks about these apostles and he says, you know, I'm going to pray to the Father to protect you. Because you're in the world and the world's going to hassle you and you're going to need that protection. And so as we witness to the love of Christ, that unconditional love, that unconditional forgiveness, when, when people make fun, when they ridicule, when they don't understand, it's simply we're called to do it. The thing that people don't understand is we don't have to do it. Jesus loved Thomas no less when he wouldn't believe his, his buddies than he did before. But if we truly, if we truly can call Jesus my Lord and my God, then why would we not take the high road and offer forgiveness and offer love? Sometimes we have to check ourselves on these things because we don't know. We're fickle. We just don't understand. And, and that, so, so how do we check ourselves? How do, we, how do we analyze whether or not we really are living by this and we keep this in the forefront? And it challenges us. I, I know in our house, the, the one way my wife does it is she keeps me on the straight and narrow. Is she writes the checks to the church first. That's always the first thing she does. And... and and reminds me constantly, everything we have is a gift from God. So we give God first. That's what we worship on Sunday, the first day of the week. We start the week by worshiping God, and we live out the rest. And it's the same thing with everything else we have. We do it first. Summer's coming. We hope people remember that when they go on vacation. My goodness gracious, She's writing checks out. We have enough money here to go on vacation. Oh, yeah, we're fine. Are you sure? I mean, there's a tiki bar there, and I would like to go in for a lemonade, you know. No, we will be fine, and we will live on what's left because it's more important to give what we can to God to do God's work, not only for those here, but around the world. That, that, that's that unconditional love. That's that unconditional forgiveness that says that, that when, we, when we do something here in, in our fellowship as Christians, we are able to share that with people in need around the world. Yes, we, we work in Columbus, but there are people in other places that have no other resource. That's part of what we do with our offerings and 
with our spirit and in sharing this unconditional love, this unconditional forgiveness of which Christ teaches here. That, my friends, is true peace. Peace be with you. May you know that you are loved unconditionally. May you know that you are forgiven unconditionally, even when you waver. May you know that you are strengthened within the witness to the world where we are sent by Christ, by his prayer to the Father. And truly, may the Lord's peace be with you. Amen.